0: Hey podcast fans you're about to listen to an amazing episode but before you do one warning, we had a couple mic issues. Aleander and I had to share a mic because one gave out so there's a bit of noise there and Jackson's mic quit altogether so he doesn't sound so good. We apologize and as always blame Dave. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Zion Brethren Podcast, now with 100% less Dave. (laughs) Yes, that's right, listeners asked for it. We heard your cries, and he is going, going, gone. He is gone. Where is he, Jackson? We, uh,
1: oh, I don't know, probably doing something, like, slightly more important than podcasting.
0: Do you think? I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it. So, luckily, we have been able to replace him for yet another episode... We have again Alejandra Ortiz. Do I say that cool? How do I say that cool? That's, that's good. Or, Enough. Ortiz. <laughs> Por que, ma?
1: Por qué. <laughs> Sorry, I can't.
0: I don't know what that means either. Not in the way. So, we are about to have a conversation that uh, I'm excited to have. I think it'll be challenging. Mm-hmm. But we are going to talk to Alejandra because she is a woman in. Uh, ministry in, in pastoral leadership, but not within a church, within a, a parachurch organization. And as brethren, you know, folks, as some of you guys are, I mean, Jackson, Dave, and I grew up in, you know, a very conservative denomination that totally respects women, has places that women serve in the church and everything, but feel like the Bible, it does not support women in leadership. Or church leadership. And so that's something we've all kind of tried to figure out over our lives, what we think about it. Probably the three of us probably land in three different camps on that one. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. Um, That's probably the best
0: way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I think Dave would feel like no the bible doesn't support it although dave is always the one who's talking amazingly about women so in some ways he's actually the most supportive even though exegetically he's not and uh i would probably have i've come to a place where i think let's go let's absolutely have women in pastoral leadership and i think jackson where are you at i think
1: it's you'll find me on the fence more often than not and in this one yeah i'll be like i'm in a church and it supports women in ministry, great. I won't push against that at all. But if I'm in a church that doesn't support women in ministry, I won't make a case to change that.
0: The the thing we want to do today is not have a debate over the exegesis of Corinthians or anything like that. We want to get the perspective of somebody who's decided that this is for her, that she wants to lead, is leading, and talk to her, what is her experience? what are the barriers? what are the challenges? what are the joys? and just ask her a ton of questions. Get that perspective so Alejandra, can you start by I know we asked you last episode, but where are you what are you doing right now uh, in ministry?
2: well currently on um, sab- sabbatical <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, study- finishing right. my finishing my master's at Regent College, uh, living here with my husband for a year, but just Five months ago, I was working full time in University uh, Christian Fellowship, well, in COMPA, which is uh, sister movement of University Christian Fellowship in Canada or in the US. Uh, and I was a regional staff, which meant that I was overseeing the work in campuses all around the northwest of the country and developing leaders and also developing staff who were working with student leaders. Also, uh, many times teaching at ch- in churches, preaching in my church and doing whatever I could do to serve God's kingdom, what, where God has put me. So so yeah, so that's a bit of what I was doing, traveling a bit also around the country and being part of the national leadership team of the ministry that I'm a part of.
0: So, Just a question before we go into your um, development on this issue, Wh- where does InterVarsity stand on this? Or is that specific per country, per ministry?
2: We're part of the of uh, the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students, which is IFS, the like the umbrella, the international umbrella, and actually every student movement has their own their position on this, so they're free to develop their own position. Mm. At least in varsity in Canada, in the U.S. and Compa in Mexico, they're all open to women exercising any type of leadership within the movement. Of course, in Mexico, um, the reality of machismo, which is uh, a very patriarchal society and everything, it's harder for women. But actually, in the student ministry, there's been more opportunities for women to develop leadership because it's a parachurch ch- para- ministry. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're open to it, and um in, at least in all these three countries and in most countries in Latin America, that's the same uh, experience. But not in all of IPS student movements around the world. That depends.
0: Okay, I didn't know that. That's good to know. Uh, you said last episode you became a Christian at 15 Did you know this was an issue um, in the church that churches were debating or had a position on? My stereotype of Mexican culture would be that it would be very conservative, Mm -hmm. or at least that Latin American Christianity is very conservative. Even as it's charismatic, um, it wouldn't be liberal in any sense. And so I would assume gender roles would be very defined. Is that what you grew up with in your? family like talk us through how you came to be where you are mm-hmm. and even you could talk about abdiel and how he how he developed with that
2: yeah well i grew up in a family in which i was never put into a into a role because i was a woman so actually my dad was he's really good at that like he so i i never remember none of my parents telling me you can't do this because you're a girl so for me that was my experience growing up but in school definitely I did I did see a lot of the gender roles but I mean the normal things of a patriarchal society in which oh you you're a girl a girl you can't run fast enough or you're a girl and so I don't know just very typical things but I didn't make much of it because in my house that wasn't the experience and I never thought myself inferior mm-hmm. to, a ma- to a man to a man. So actually, I was very surprised <laughs> when I became a Christian to find those postures within the church. Because for once, I became a Christian because I came to know Jesus through Scripture. And even though there were things that I didn't understand more about the Old Testament, about the treatment of women and Jesus, I saw a man who was liberating for women and who actually gave women a voice and who, who uplifted women in many ways in, in a context in which women were not valued and were not considered with the same dignity as a man. So for me, it was a shock to find out that there were many churches that actually did not give a voice to women and they would not allow women in leadership, in any type of leadership, actually. Fortunately, it's not the whole church's land and the whole church uh, in latin america evangelical church in latin america that is conservative but there are very very conservative conservative strands uh, my husband abdiel grew up in a church in which there were definitely more, there was definitely more women than men there were definitely women were more committed than men uh, uh with it, with god because that was really obvious they were the ones who were there always serving mm-hmm. but they were always looking for a male to be the authority so my husband started asking himself, like, why? Why is, it, why is it that if there is actually more qualified women to do a job, what did, why does it have to be a man? So I think for me, when I started seeing all these uh, prohibitions or, or limitations for women in leadership, I started also asking why. Like, where are they supporting this? Or why are they so strong about this? and first of all i saw that a lot of the influence actually came from very conservative um, u.s churches who had brought the gospel into the into mexico for example so that was brought just as a model on the other hand i also because i studied history for me it was really obvious that what was happening in happening in the evangelical church in mexico was that the gospel was not really challenging culture, <laughs> it was not challenging very uh, patri- patriarchal uh, mod- modes of of leadership. And then I I also went into my own journey of figuring out what to do with the fact that in scripture we see God working in the midst of societies that didn't that don't dignify women. So for me that was actually very important. And when I started seeing that, even in the midst of that, God was for women, it helped a lot. (laughs) It helped me a lot. Yeah, so I think it's been a journey going to God and asking Him and working that out in my own journey. And also learning from others who have walked this journey, trying not to judge others who think differently. And then also I think for me, seeing my husband affirm me in his own journey, come to the recognition that it's not about being a man or a woman but about God's calling and God's gifts on a person that may help someone lead or teach uh, independently of their gender.
0: So it sounds like what I'm hearing in your story is that you grew up with a certain thing. You were surprised at what you saw in the church and what you see in the in the gospels or in the story of God at work in the world is God challenging cultures, and you felt like I, I've heard you talk about Mexican culture before, machismo, machismo, this kind of hyper masculinity and kind of uh, violence towards women yeah. and domestic kind of that pervades a lot of Mexican culture, yeah. and so you felt like, no, this is challenging it and. It should challenge our churches. So it was less like a development on learning the exegesis of certain passages. What do you think about people who think that's all great, but then they go, but I really do see passages in the Bible where it says, you know, women shouldn't teach or women should learn in quietness. How do you, without going into exegesis, just how do you think through that?
2: I think of two ways without going into exegesis, because exegesis would be maybe a third way. But, uh, but I think one thing is that there are examples in Scripture of women teaching and prophesying and leading. <laughs> so I mean, even though we can say, "Oh, but it's very clear that here women should not teach," there's other examples in Acts of women prophesying, which meant they were speaking God's word uh, to other people. And then you see examples like Priscilla, Priscilla, who was teaching a male <laughs> about scripture and so i i think i mean you have both in scripture actually mm. and on the other hand on the other hand i think also history the history of the church in the beginning <laughs> and there are there are there are evidences that uh women were leading and were teaching and were actually doing apostolic work so they were um, missionaries who ha- oversaw churches and who had pastoral roles. And it was actually between the second and third century of the church where that was diminished or denied for women. But there's actually very strong historical evidence to support that because of how Jesus treated women and the place women had in the early church, they were actually exercising exercising leadership roles.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I feel like, because I took a history degree, which yours was a history degree. Yeah. 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 And your husband. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And Jackson?
1: Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> we need more perspective on this podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be completely historical. But it really, the first time I was challenged on my ideas, because I just, you know, the Bible says this, so I'm going to obey it, was having a book point out, it's called Blue Parakeets by, uh. Is that Scott McKnight? You bet, Jack? You bet. Yeah, having that point out, like, no, there are other examples within the early church, within the first couple centuries, and going, well, wait a second, like, I just didn't even, and not saying like, oh, well, the evidence is clearly that women should be in ministry, but that it's mixed, and I never knew it was mixed. Mm-hmm. So, when you were thinking about becoming a leader of a ministry, how did you get to be there? Was it was it harder? Do you feel or
2: I've been really blessed <laughs> to actually serve in an organization in which women are valued and they're wanted in leadership, so that for me wasn't a struggle and interestingly enough, also it wasn't a struggle within the church because the Methodist mm-hmm. Church uh allows women in ministry and okay. pastoral roles. Really? Oh. Yes, so th- in both places i mean there's still limitations for women to serve because of the culture, but not because there's something that says that you shouldn't do it. So I think I was very blessed because I had people, both men and women, uh, who supported me. Because I do think I have very clear (laughs) leadership gifts and that I've been able to use within the ministry. uh, And I'm grateful that I can do that. And I think for me, it was very important not to want to lead as a man, but actually learn to lead as who I am and as a woman.
0: I'm just I'm interjecting because I'm curious. What does it look like to lead as a man, and what does it look like to lead differently, or from who you are?
2: Well, I think I'm learning still, but I think it has to do with the fact that usually, uh, because of how culture portrays men, men have to be strong and firm in their decisions, and and I think as a woman, I have more opportunities to actually lead with fragility vulnerability and that doesn't mean that i'm not strong but it means that there's space for others who don't feel that they're qualified enough and i mean also being a woman sometimes means that within a context in a context with other men, i'm not intimidating uh i'm just because most people would say oh she's a young woman what can she say and usually that's very good for me because when I open my mouth, <laughs> then they're not expecting what I'm saying, what I will say. Um, yeah, actually. <laughs> oh, and no. and that's actually, no, that's actually been really good oh. uh, uh, for me because God can surprise people. <laughs> and they nickname me the Velvet Hammer back home because <laughs> I usually say stuff that people <laughs> are not expecting yeah. and in ways um, that people would not expect it.
1: That's a great wrestling name holy <laughs> <laughs> you're
2: luchador yeah. so it was, it was funny but i think it helped me it affirmed me in how i lead and and uh that i don't have to look strong
0: no oh, thanks that's that's awesome the velvet hammer i just so good i'm just trying to imagine like the difficulties women face day to day but you know that i've learned from my wife things like being interrupted women get interrupted a lot mm. And usually by me. <laughs> mm. um, but uh, to be fair, I interrupt men a lot too. You <laughs> I just... You're getting
1: better. You're getting a lot better though.
0: I'm getting a lot better though. <laughs> but things like getting interrupted or having to uh, maybe discipline a leader or how does that work with other male leaders, with with your boss, or even the people you serve? Like are they able – are men able to take your – Um, advice or is there that barrier just like what does it look like practically for you
2: yeah i mean it's it's common because it's part of the culture but i think i've i've come to grips with the fact that that is something that happens but it's not something that disables me to lead or to speak or whatever so um i mean i've had the experience with students who don't know me for example and i have to lead an event or lead something and and just because i'm a woman they won't pay attention to what i'm saying or just or or they won't consider my my instruction or my whatever as important as a guy who's speaking even though he's not the leader of anything or or leading anything and i think i've also learned that um to partner because Something that's been helpful is that um, usually the things that I'm leading, uh, because I'm aware of this culture dynamics, we usually have males who are also on stage, for example, who would defer the, their place for a, for a for a woman so who would make it obvious that who's coming it has something to say not because of who she is but because she's speaking god's words for example or so because we're aware of this and we actually want to teach students uh about why it's important so for us it's been important to have guys who actually open the place for women and i've also had the experience of having pastors not not only in my church but in other places who it's after they know me that they can maybe, some of them, bring down their the boundary that they have because I'm a woman. So I think sometimes I understand that it takes time, and I'm okay with that.
0: No, that's cool. I like the idea of almost modeling, like as a ministry, you know, we're going to model it by having another leader do that. That's really cool. In organizations that you've been in, you've been in a church and uh parachurch organization talk us through what are the barriers you see happening even in organizations that they support women in ministry
2: what i see even in my organization is that women are supported in ministry if they're single <laughs> most of the time um yeah, okay. or if they're married and their husband is totally okay with it and if they don't have children for example because usually, uh, once you have children, it's harder. Just because the context is that you are the one who's going to be caring for the child most of the time. So, I mean, th- those gender roles that are very fixed within Mexican society are, uh, in a sense, a boundary. Because for women in ministry, if they want to think about ministry and about life and about family, it's usually you can't have it all. <laughs> it's like you have to choose. So you do see a lot of women who are single and they decide to continue on single, or they would decide not to marry because they know that they would have to say no to what they feel that God is calling them into, so I think those things are, I do see in my organization i'm I'm a woman who's um, married and and expecting a baby and, right. uh, <laughs> right, and, and nice I don't one. and i don't and i don 't feel that that 's actually limiting me. Uh, but I have an s- amazing supportive hus- husband by my side and an organization that's trying to s- figure out how to deal with this and how to help both men and women with children. And also, because of the gender roles being so fixed, families expect <laughs> you to follow traditional roles. And right. and it's hard sometimes because we're not following what families expecting. And there's always tension. But I think also our family, at least, even though they they wonder about us, I think they trust us. So I'm th- I'm thinking about that. And then I think also women traveling alone, for example, is always a risk in Mexico. So it's things like that that's more dangerous if you're a woman. That's a couple things I can consider. I don't know if you want to no. ask something else. but
0: No, no, I don't think I have another question based on that. That was a really good answer. <laughs> You're involved with training leaders. That's part of your organization and what you do is training staff for university campus ministry. What, is, what what advice do you give younger women? Because, I mean, you're pretty young, so it's like, but there are younger women than you and staff. What What advice are you giving them? Is it different than, like, is the support you give them treating them equally? Like, that's the best support? Is it okay, well, you're starting at a disadvantage. So I give you more support. Like how do you support other women in ministry?
2: Well, I think I treat them equally. (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, I've had the opportunity to work with very qualified and gifted women who are young. And, and sometimes what I do have to work on is helping, helping them see that they're actually very talented and qualified because They are very discredited by others because they're women. And that's part of the deal sometimes. Because you're a woman, you can be smart, but maybe not smart enough. Or you could be... I mean, it's always like that. And so I think I have to work a lot with other women in trying to help them see who they are and how they're made in God's image and how they're equal. But I also think I do that with men because... What happens with a culture that glorifies a certain type of male is that actually no Um, one fits the the model. And males feel inferior and insecure, almost the same as women. So I think I don't work very differently with men or women who are younger and who are being developed as leaders. Uh, Because we all have our struggles and actually helping helping us see that we're all struggling, that we're all, we have to be vulnerable in this. Uh, I think that's part of what I do. And yeah.
0: I currently go to a Bible college, you know, Regent with you that affirms women in pastoral leadership. I'm in a church that affirms women in leadership. And yet you see so many ways in which it seems like the people that are being trained are men or that like. All the potential staff are men, you know, and it kind of feels like that. And you kind of go, is that really the case? or Are we doing something wrong? What would you say to organizations or people who do agree with women in leadership, but feel like it's not happening in practice with them?
2: I'll give you an example of the reverse thing. In my organization, we suddenly had a ton of women in leadership. And we were lacking male leadership, and that actually worried us because we really think we need both. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started seeing what's the problem. So w- what are the things that that we're not doing well? That we're not encouraging men well enough to 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 step up in, to leadership if they're called to do it, of course. And I think asking those questions was really helpful because we when, then we figured that we were maybe uh, not giving them enough opportunities to stand up for leadership. And women were being biased for other women and biased against men, against some some male students and stuff like that. So I think for us, it was like, okay, we have to be very intentional now. So I think I would challenge churches and organizations to – See what are their biases? What are the things that they're actually not doing well enough and not encouraging women? I think we can't just say, oh, it's no women are, are, are stepping up. So maybe it's just us. I think we actually have to figure out what we're not doing well and then looking for solutions.
0: It's cool to hear the opposite example. That's great because totally there are, I can think of ministries where it's all women I mean, you know, in schools, Jackson, like teaching assistant, you know, something, something you did and something Chris Lance does that like, they're constantly looking for males in those roles and have to ask, what are we doing? That's blocking males from these roles or what are we doing? That's not intentional. And so almost like being able to apply that and say, okay, well, the same principles there can apply in the opposite case. And that's, oh, wow. That really flipped my mind. I like that. Um, <laughs> good. Uh, Jack, what are you mm-hmm. chewing on from this conversation? And you can challenge stuff. I just, you know, I want to hear you heard this conversation.
1: I think that the, the major thing that there, there was a push when I was thinking this through was, what Tanner, when you would say something along the, along the lines of the same principles apply, I think there might be reservations about how, The church is a different organism than a school, than a business, and that, like, you can't, like, I think that women can make great CEOs. It's stupid to say otherwise, but the pushback would be, this is the church. It's, It's somehow different. It's not that women can't be in leadership. It's just that the leadership looks different, and so you can't apply a principle that works within the culture towards the church. Do you have thoughts on that, Alejandra?
2: yeah, I think I do because I think I see a church that is lacking the voice of women. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I think women should be leaders in every church. I think I think I'm saying that when we don't have women realizing God's potential for their lives, which sometimes is God giving them the le- gift of leading and teaching, then there's a miss in the church. And and I think that's what I push back against a lot of the time because I'm not I mean, I have strong beliefs around this issue, but I understand where people are coming from. And I actually think that that's that's a big miss. And I see it within the Mexican church because you have so many women in the pews uh, and so many women actually serving and serving in a sacrificial way. And then you have males leading in a non-sacrificial way necessarily, and and then you and I I I'm like, oh, why aren't these women recognized as people who are also leading in in many ways, and why can't we hear their thoughts on what it means to serve, and sometimes it's not about I don't think it's about a position of leadership. I think it's also about honor honoring and recognizing women's voices, and I think that's sometimes something that. When there's very strong thoughts of against women in leadership, there's also women being not being considered and not being allowed to realize their, their potential and their gifts in a community.
0: Uh, anything else, Jeff?
1: No, this was really great. This turned out so well.
0: Thank you. Alejandro, that's two episodes. I know you had homework tonight and a million other things. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for, oh my goodness, this was so good.
2: Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure. And yeah, thank you for having me. I, I enjoy this. So it actually doesn't feel like work.
0: <laughs> hey, Jackson, lead us out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening
1: to this special edition of the Desiring Brethren podcast.
0: It's got a radio voice, right?
1: <laughs> if you would further like to hear this uh, pseudo radio voice, you can uh, request that through emailing us at
0: Desiring Brethren podcast at gmail.com.
1: Or you can visit our
0: uh, Facebook
1: Lisa, yes. Thanks again, everyone, and thank you again, Alejandro, for being part of this.
0: Uh, I'm Jackson O'Brien. I'm Tanner Hops.
2: Alejandro Ortiz.